Good morning, everybody. It is a cold Mother's Day, and I'm excited to talk about Matthew 3 today. I hope you're all doing well. Um, Matthew 3 has some exciting stuff in it, and it, I just, it cracks me up that we just studied Isaiah because it plays right in to this Matthew 3 stuff. So we've already talked about the Annunciation of John the Baptist getting born, and Elizabeth, and Zechariah, and the genealogy, and then Luke skips about 30 years, and we don't get a whole lot. Um, remember Luke said he wanted to give an accurate account. He interviewed people, he investigated, and he researched, and it's really interesting that Luke doesn't talk about anything that happened from the birth of Jesus all the way until John the Baptist shows up in the wilderness. And uh, anything we have between that is just from, you know, church tradition that could have been stories told starting in the 900s or the 500s or even the 1500s. And uh, we don't really know about. And just to, to speak to that segment of time, you know, they can make movies about it and people can talk about it and it's, it's all fine. Um, I don't think there's anything evil about that as long as you don't regard it as carrying the same weight as scripture and as you don't form any doctrines or beliefs about it. Um, anything, you know, I, I would regard it with the same quality, same value as like a Max Lucado book. Um, if it encourages you and it builds you up in Jesus and it's scripturally sound, go for it. Um, if you need it, then you should read the rest of the Bible. So <laughs> that kind of thing. So anyway, but let's dive into actual scripture here. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And he preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is who he who has spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So we know from the other Gospels, John said more than just, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he gave some details on, on what repentance meant. His details for repentance involved common people. It involved tax collectors. It included Roman soldiers. He was that bold as to tell Roman soldiers, Hey, I don't care if you're Roman, there's a living God, and you need to quit taking bribes from people and being, being violent. Pretty wild. So, um... So John the Baptist is saying all this, and Matthew says that John is the one that Isaiah was talking about. Now, remember, any time you see the Old Testament quoted in the New Testament, you got to go back there and check the context. Uh, it's just like it's just like we have common things. If I say bup ba da bup bup, you know what comes next, right? Bump bump. Uh, that's how a lot of these folks 
in this time when Matthew's telling these stories and, and re retelling these events, people know the context of what he quotes. So you got to go know the context too. So it's in Isaiah 40. And Isaiah, uh, I'll just start at verse 3 in Isaiah 40. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places will be a plain. The glory of the Lord and the glory of the... So all that's going to happen. Mountains made low, valleys made high, rough places plain. And then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So it doesn't mean like there's going to be this cataclysmic earthquake and everything's going to be like Kansas everywhere. He's saying every hindrance to God, everything that's in the way of us running after God with full faith and assurance of who he is, wipe it out, get it out of the way. If our, if our guilt and our shame keeps us from running after God, your guilt and your shame are going to be taken away. If your complete inability to obey the 613 laws of Moses is in your way to follow God, your complete inability to follow those laws as well as the requirement of the laws is going to be wiped away. Every hindrance to follow God is going to be wiped away and the glory of God is going to be revealed. What's the glory of God? Everything, everything that God has for us is going to be revealed because every hindrance is taken away. Jeremiah said our hearts of stone would be taken away and replaced with a heart of flesh. That's what the Holy Spirit's work does in us. The Holy Spirit transforms us and by Jesus dying for our sins, we can draw near to God boldly with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the being recreated into a new creation. We have the capability of doing it. So all of that fits together with John the Baptist saying, get ready, repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. Think differently, live a new way. Now John wore clothing back to Matthew. John wore clothing made from camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his diet consisted of locusts and wild honey. Why is John so weird? John is a prophet and there were prophets like Isaiah that lived in, in um, the aristocracy that were very high class that were around the king and in the court of the king. There were, um, there were prophets that were just uh, farmers, like Jeremiah. Um, there, there were prophets that had all different jobs. But if you asked a first century Jewish person, who is the greatest prophet ever? I mean, top notch. They would say Elijah. Elijah was the best prophet ever. And Elijah wore camel's hair with a belt wrapped around him and uh 
Elijah ate food that ravens brought to him, which was actual food, like human food, but it was delivered by ravens. So come on. Uh, so just the spectacle of John being out in the wilderness and wilderness is always a place of transition. It's always a place of change from one state to another in the scriptures. Um, anytime anybody goes into the wilderness, they come back different. And that was for all of Israel as a nation going through the wilderness for 40 years. Um, that was the same for Hagar. Um, it was the same. I mean, just... It, it's an awesome Bible study. Spend a few months going through all the wilderness mentions in the Bible and how people always changed in the wilderness. So they all come out to see. I mean, John the Baptist, they see him. He's dressed like Elijah the prophet. It's like if I had big hair and sat in a gold throne, you would know I was a televangelist, right? And you would know that I'd be asking for money for a jet. As soon as you see somebody and how they're dressed they're they're looking the part and john the baptist is looking the part of the greatest prophet ever elijah well the other thing about him being dressed that way and the reason why i bring up televangelists and their gold thrones is that's what the pharisees were like in this day they were um they were elite they were the upper class they they wore the finest clothes. They lived in the finest homes. They um, they expected everyone to listen to everything they said. And they expected and demanded honor wherever they went. So they would always get the best seat in the house when there's a banquet. Um, they would always expect everybody to pay attention to them when they prayed. And to compliment them on how good their prayers were. Uh, just really... Um, yeah, insert your own word there. So they really contrasted with John the Baptist, who is dressing up in camel hair. He's eating bugs. He's uh, foraging for honey. He lives in the wilderness. He doesn't live in a fancy house. And so anybody that struggled is immediately going to be able to identify with him better than they're going to identify with these high-class Pharisees. So that's going to draw a lot more people to him too. That is also why when John the Baptist sees the Pharisees coming out to speak to him, he, he'll let them have it. So they come out. Oh, I got to talk about more. So he's out there baptizing people. Uh, he's at, he's at the Jordan river and Every time I read the Jordan River, I remember this kid in grade school, and uh, he would pronounce Jordan River like a name. And so I always think of Jordan River as a name, which is just really distracting. <laughs> so he's out there at the Jordan River, and he's baptizing people. And he's baptizing them as a baptism of repentance. So people come out, they hear what he says, and they want to change their life. They want to change the way they live. They want to change what they're trusting in. And so they go and they get down in the water and they get dunked. And baptism, John, John didn't invent baptism. Um, he invented the Baptists. No, he didn't. 
but uh, that full dunking, dipping, submerging was a practice of Jewish people as a total cleansing. You know, they would, they had fountains around, they had uh, ceremonial washing ways to wash, and the necessities were your hands and your face, your hands and your head, and you would wash all that off. And then that was a way of making yourself ceremonially clean to do these religious activities. When you were really gonna do something really religious and you were really gonna get clean, um, you would get completely your whole body submerged. And they did that in a couple ways. Sometimes it was a pool. Um, sometimes they had this step down, walk down into it, submerge, and then walk back up on the other side kind of thing. And um, sometimes it, there, there was a, yeah, there are a couple different ways they did baptism. So John is out there baptizing and they're coming and they're being baptized as a sign of repentance, that they are no longer living the way they used to live, but they're changing. And now I'm going to live differently. I'm going to pre I'm going to prepare a way for the Lord, for the glory of God to come by not taking bribes, by not taking too many taxes, by not oppressing people. So the Pharisees come out to see John. All kinds of people came out to see John. Everybody heard about him. Word spread about him. There were people that would go get baptized and they'd come back and they'd be like, I got baptized by a prophet and I'm giving you the money that I stole from you back and all that stuff. So John looks up. He's out there preaching and baptizing people. When he saw many, this is Matthew chapter 3 verse 7. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to this baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, now remember in Genesis that the devil was craftier than any creature that the Lord God had put in the garden and that he was a serpent. So if the devil is a snake and you're a religious person and you go see John the Baptist and he calls you a brood of vipers, a nest, a family of snakes. What's he calling you? <laughs> He's calling you a bunch of demon kids, a bunch of devils. You family of devils. That's serious. I mean, that I don't know if it gets stronger than that. Um, John the Baptist stands up in front of all these people. Here come the Pharisees, respected, honored, uh, revered, and everybody listens to their teaching. And he calls them a family of snakes, a family of Satans. Wow. Then he tells them what he's been telling everybody. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Repent. See, the Pharisees 
they they practiced kind of a modern day nowadays we would call it cheap grace they uh, assumed that since they were part of God's chosen people that they were set they were chosen and there was nothing they could do um, God's chosen people are God's chosen people and so they can sit back and relax um, they followed all the laws remember there were 613 laws of Moses and then there were tens of thousands of additional laws from the Mishnah and the Talmud added on um, added on to Moses's law and they followed all of them to a T and were very proud of that but now the thing is their whole lifestyle was set up to force them to obey the law like they couldn't eat bacon even if they wanted to eat bacon which they did want to eat bacon uh it just changed the outside of the behavior but it didn't change their heart i was in college you know i went to a public university and the cafeteria had to serve food for for muslims and jewish people and, and hindu people and uh southern indiana people and um all kinds of people and so i was a vegetarian for a year and it was simple because there's all this delicious amazing albeit foreign uh vegetarian food and there were times where it was so simple the whole structure around me was set up that i could eat healthy and eat vegetarian and be totally fine well these guys everything's set up for them to eat kosher everything's set up for them to follow the law uh, when i came home and i came back to evansville and the fall festival happens it was really hard to be a vegetarian at the fall festival that's actually when i stopped being a vegetarian was at the fall festival <laughs> so i got my priorities right uh, these guys they weren't bearing any fruit with repentance they were just living in their little walled garden that forced them to obey the law on the outside and never change their hearts on the inside. So that's what he's telling them. Repent. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. The axe is already at the root of the tree. The, the whole structure of law and uh, obedience and, and showing your righteousness and showing your faith through obedience to 613 laws is about to get chopped down by Jesus. Matthew 3.11, John explains what he's talking about. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. His sandals, I'm not even worthy to carry. I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes. So if you revere John and you think he is a prophet of God, he is powerful while his words are true, he can't even touch the Messiah's shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So look, baptism. John just explained 
what baptism is. It's like a winnowing fork. I'm baptizing you with water. One that's coming is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's a winnowing fork separating the wheat and the chaff. So numerous places in the New Testament where it talks about baptism. It's talking about sorting. It's talking about putting things in this group or that group. It's Baptism is grouping things with like things. And so note that John isn't talking about um, when you got baptized by John, you had the power of repenting. It was repent and be baptized. And that will show your repentance has happened. That's it's a, a sign for you. Um, I got to I got to baptize some guys out at Camp Reveal years ago, and it's a little sandy beach, and then it goes into a lake. And I drew a line in the sand, and I said, "This this line is just like your baptism. You're going to cross this line. You're going to go into this water to show." that you're not on this, the side that you're on now, that you're not on that side anymore, and you're gonna be on a different side. You're gonna cross over. Um, that's what John the Baptist is saying. I'm gonna make you cross over. I'm gonna show, help you show that you've crossed over with water, but the one that's coming is going to sort you out and show who's crossed over with the Holy Spirit. So the ones that have crossed over into faith in Jesus have the Holy Spirit. And, and that is their sign to them and to others that they've crossed over, that they've been separated. And if you live according to your flesh and if you live the way that Adam lived, and I'm just gonna do things on my own, and I'm going to get wisdom on my own, then, then you're on the other side. There's a baptism. And the, the baptism um, isn't the thing that moved you over. It's Jesus that moved you over. Not, not the water, not the fire. Um, and I'll say, not even the signs of the Holy Spirit the signs of the Holy Spirit aren't the thing that moved you over. The stop sign that's at the corner isn't the thing that stops my car. The brakes stop my car. My foot on the brakes stop my car uh, out of an acknowledgement that I'm going to do what the sign says. Does that make sense? Oh, my gosh. We can just get into the biggest, craziest Trinitarian theological talk right now. I'm not. Say that for another day. Or talk to me. Let's talk one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, man. So good. It's a winnowing fork. It's a separator. It's a divider. Oh, now I'm getting so excited. I'm hitting the camera. <laughs> and remember, John's baptism. This is where it gets really exciting. John's baptism is a baptism saying, I lived one way, and now I'm going to live another way. I am changing my way of life. Matthew 3.13 Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan <coughs> to John 
to be baptized by him. Jesus has shown up. This is why it's so important to see that John's baptism is a baptism of a sign that you're going to change the way you've lived your life from one way to another. And Jesus came to John. John looked and prevented him. So John, remember one chapter ago, two chapters ago, John and Jesus are cousins. They're somehow related because Mary went to visit her relative, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist was in Elizabeth's womb cheering, yeah, it's Jesus, it's the Messiah. And Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit, came upon Elizabeth and she prophesied. So John and Jesus have known each other. They have a backstory. Talk about what to make a movie about. They have a backstory we don't know anything about except through Mary and Elizabeth a little bit. So John, there's another part where, where Jesus walks by and John says to John says to his disciples, that guy over there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And it's Andrew is one of them. Andrew quits following John and goes and takes off after Jesus, which I would too. I mean, good job, John. High five. Thanks, buddy. We're going to go follow the, the Lamb of God. So John says, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for this is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented and baptized Jesus. So there's like four things going on here. Uh, Jesus is showing that he has been living a life and he is changing it. And now he's going to live differently. What is that life? Well, Matthew 4 shows what that life is and it happens. And oh my goodness, watch out, right? We'll get there next week. So Jesus is saying, I'm no longer living the way I'm living. I'm living a new way now. Other thing that's happening is remember, John the Baptist was the son of Zechariah. Zechariah was one of the priests that served in the temple. When a high priest was the high priest, at a time he would, he would you know, pass on the high priesthood to the next priest. And the method that he would do that is laying on of hands and baptism. One high priest would baptize the next high priest and the, the, uh, the spiritual duties, the spiritual weight and glory of being the high priest would actually, I know this is kind of cosmic, uh, the, the, the invisible spiritual authority of being the high priest would pass from the old high priest to the new high priest. So John's dad was a priest, passes it on to his son, who's a priest, but John isn't in the temple, is he? He would have had every right to serve in the temple. Uh, John 
should have been in the temple, which just makes everything crazier and makes all these Pharisees, remember the Pharisees that came out to see John? They would have known Zechariah because they knew the priests. And they would have known that John was the son of Zechariah because they all know each other. They're all cousins. And John isn't working in the temple. This is like the church kid. This is like the, pre the preacher's kid that went off. And what's he doing out here? He's got this strange teaching. He's telling us to repent. He's baptizing people for repentance. He's calling us a whole bunch of snake family. And now Jesus comes out to him and says, this is the right thing. It's time for you to baptize me. Matthew 3.16. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Okay, hold on. There's some movies that show Jesus like magically up out of the water as soon as he gets dunked. I I don't think it was like that. <laughs> I don't. I think he just came up out of the water, okay? That I mean, that's what's the next thing he did. The heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God come down like a dove and rest on him. The Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit came down and I know you see it in movies and we see it in art and there's a dove. It wasn't a dove. It was like a dove. Okay. Um, the Holy Spirit came down on him like a thing, like a thing that flies, like a thing that moves, came down on him and rested on him. Wow. The heavens were opened. The, this, this very same word, open, the, the word opened, is the same word that they use when um, the curtain in the temple is ripped in half at Jesus' crucifixion. It is ripped in half. The, the heavens were ripped in half. The, they also use the same word for heaven as, or as sky as the heavens, so the sky is ripped in half. But remember, they thought everything was sky, earth, and the underworld. And so the sky, the heavens, where God is, is ripped in half, opened up. The Holy Spirit comes down on him tangibly. Wow, there it is. And a voice from the heavens that have been ripped open says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. I am pleased with him. He is righteous. Uh, remember Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That means God said, he's right. He is approved by me. He is yes. And so the heavens opened and the voice of God says, this is my son and he is right. He is doing the right thing. I approve of him. Yes, my boy. And from here on, it's on. Jesus no longer lives a secret life that couldn't be written about, that nothing is written about. Jesus no longer lives uh, the life of a common, normal person. 
in Galilee and Nazareth and, and that area. Uh, he has repented. He has changed the way he lives. He's, he's turned to a new way of thinking. Those are all ways that, to describe what repentance is. And, uh, and so John has done it. John has prepared the way. And now the king has arrived. And God is pleased with him and approves of him. And uh, the introduction to the gospel is over. And now it's on. All right. God bless y'all. I look forward to talking to you soon. And we can talk about this stuff of Matthew 3 and then what comes next in Matthew 4. God bless you. <laughs>